Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Heavenly Father, you are a God of great gifts and a God of great mercy. We cannot give you thanks enough. We come to you now giving thanks and praise that you reveal yourself in the midst of human history, that you reveal yourself as one of us coming down and bearing our sins and our sorrow, our griefs, and being wounded for our very own transgressions. And Lord, you lay not in the tomb, but rise from it three days later with the gift, the promise, and the hope that we too shall rise from these mortal bodies into immortal ones. It is that hope and that faith that we come here today to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever tried to build something in life? You may not be a handyman. I'm not. My wife can attest to that. But probably at some point in life, you, you've bought something, some piece of furniture that needs to be put together, something that needs to be built. And you need something in order to get started, right? you got to have those instructions. My wife is probably smirking because she knows how much I hate bad instructions. Something that's written out that you can't understand. It's missing a step. You're missing a piece. It becomes quite frustrated. And it's just not a happy day in my household, if I'm quite honest, and confessing my sin to y'all. That's why it matters if you have good instructions, right? Good instructions makes it a much more painless process. But you need more than just instructions, right? you got to have the right tools, the right equipment. If you don't have the right tools and the right equipment, it doesn't matter how well the instructions are. You can't enact, you can't engage, you can't accomplish the task set before you. The Holy Scriptures are the instructions, the revelation of our God. And the Lord God does more than give us the instructions, the plan, the glorious outcome and promise of what will happen upon Christ's return. He also equips us with the right tools, the right equipment, by the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Blessed and Holy Trinity, God Himself, His very own self-same Spirit, equipped into us because of the faith, the trust, the belief, the confidence that we have in the One whom we pierced, the One whom now lives forever and ever. Last night, I was watching football, as one does in the South. And I was taking a look at this pen that my wife gave me either last Christmas or a couple of Christmases ago. And I liked it a lot, but because I'm a man of very simple you know, minded nature, I didn't really notice the full capabilities of this pen. You see, you may not be able to see it from there, but basically this green part has zero through three. It's a ruler. I can measure with it. I keep it on my person and typically like I've thrown it in my tool bag. But I took it out at one point, had it next to my bedside table, and was using it to scribble notes last night. Well, as I was messing around looking at it, I always noticed it also has like a little, you know, level there. So I can measure something in a pinch, you know, if we're hanging a picture or something. And then I started messing around because that's what I do. I never kind of got over that from high school, just tearing down a pen. I started tearing this pen down, and lo and behold, it's also a screwdriver. And I had no clue. And Kara appropriately laughed at me. She was like... Yeah, of course. And I was like, well, of course, I didn't realize that. I didn't see the instruction manual. But let's be honest. It's probably because I just took it out of the box and threw away the instructions. 
And sadly, we do that far too often in this life. We come to know Christ. We believe in Christ, Lord and Savior. We can quote the Lord's Prayer, perhaps, maybe even like, say, the Apostles' Creed backwards. But we disregard the instructions to really know what's all there in this most excellent tool for our life. We disregard and ignore the plain reading and the plain words of Scripture that are there for our benefit. And instead, we try to live life on our own. And it doesn't work out too good, not if we're honest. Let's think about another example, though. Let's suppose for a moment that you were told that there's this great treasure that's hidden in Oak Mountain at the state park. And it's worth millions of dollars. Let's say that it's not cash, because cash you can actually kind of carry around pretty decently. Let's say it's old Civil War gold, you know, pretty heavy. That treasure can be all yours, and all you have to do is go search for it and find it in the park. Now, what would you do? What would be your first reaction? And be honest, because maybe some of you are thinking to yourself, you know, that's too much acreage. That's way too many square miles for me to even consider trying. But then if you stop and you start to consider, all right, lugging out, you know, a big treasure that's got gold that's going to weigh you down, it's going to be kind of hard to pull it out there in the park in the first place and go bury it somewhere. So it's likely that whoever has done this has stuck close to the trails that just kind of permeate throughout the park. So then what do you do as you're thinking? If you're like me, you want to get the information that you need to find these trails. You want to go to the visitor center, you want to pick up a map. And that map is going to be the key to finding this treasure. It tells you where you are in the park, where you can walk throughout the park, and therefore it shows the most likely avenues that a person would go before finally getting off a trail and then burying the treasure. That map is your guide, and it helps you to know where the person who hid the treasure most likely traveled, eventually stopped, was probably worn out, dug a hole, and then buried it. The Almighty God, though, has not hidden his treasure. The Almighty God has not given us this life to wander around aimlessly, to bump into life's challenges, and then to start to wonder, who is he? Who is God? What does he want to do with us? No, instead, God came down multiple times throughout human history, spoke with us, dined with us, became one of us and provided us a map, and not a map of likely locations to find his treasure, but the map of what it means to be a human created in the image of God. The map that he has given us is a map of redemption and salvation that's already been accomplished. He's shown us the map of his love, a love letter to his errant creation through the map that is his very own body, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, whose very own body is a map unto itself that runs from the holes in his feet all the way to the piercings in his hands and ends with a crown of thorns upon his head. The Lord Jesus, who is the living word, the living word of God who made all things is the very same God who inspired this written word of God that we call Holy Scripture, or more simply, the Bible. Within these pages, we see the map of God revealing who He is, who we are, 
and the great plan that God is enacting and will finish to secure our redemption and recreate the heavens and the earth so that once again, God will look upon it all and say, it is good. The Lord Jesus tells us in his gospels that he has the words of life. The words of life. And yet, so many of those who claim to be disciples and followers of Jesus neglect his word. Instead, in this information age that we live in, we cloud our thoughts, we cloud our minds, we cloud our eyes with screens. Instead of plowing the field through God's life-giving word for our lives. But our colic for today, our prayer for today, for the second Sunday of Advent, as it should be our prayer for every single day, is that our blessed Lord, who caused the entirety of Holy Scripture, the Bible, to be written for us, that he may spur us, because we need the spurring, to hear his word, to read his word, to learn his word, and to, yes, inwardly digest his word, so that we may be granted the patience that we need in a busy life. So we may find comfort in the comfortless world through the only hope that we find through Jesus the Christ, the one who gives us our own life and the one who promises us eternal life. You know, spiritual people today, they're always searching for a word from the Lord. Or if they're not reaching for Jesus Christ, they're looking for some sort of vision, some sort of experience, something mystical. And skeptics or the inquirers to the faith, they'll ask, well, what does God want for my life? And both of theirs answers, those who are the spiritual people seeking the word for the Lord, for God to speak to them. And the one who's skeptical or inquiring, saying, what does God want for my life? Both of those answers to those questions can be found by just cracking open the written pages that God has given us. So today, let us open up our scriptures to Luke chapter 21. Starting in verse 25. In Luke 21, 25. Because today's gospel lesson is about the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life that Christ promises us through his second advent to his return. Verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations. With perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those signs which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now I'm quoting from the King James Version today. And the reason why is because of the striking poetry of men's hearts failing them for fear. Instead of just simply saying that people will faint. But even through the poetic language of the King James Version, one thing that strikes us as the reader, as the listener today, is this feeling, this sense of apprehension, of fear. Perhaps like the fear that will grip those who behold these signs and do, in fact, faint. But we, O church, we, O Christian, do not need to be fearful. Because those who fear the Lord God Almighty shall be comforted. Jesus continues in verse 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Our redemption draweth 
nigh. For moment by moment, we approach the completion of our journey, of our race, of our endurance. Finally experiencing the fullness and the completion of the redemption, the manifestation of our salvation that we are promised. We draw closer still, even in this moment as we take a breath, to meeting the Lord Jesus. The one who made us, the one who sustains us, and the one who redeems us. And our Lord tells us not to fear as the heavens, as the heavens themselves appear to fall upon the earth, but instead to look up. To look up. We aren't to hide ourselves in rocks and caves, not as the unbeliever does, but instead we are to lift up your heads. For our redemption draweth nigh. Christian, indeed, we are called, and we hear every Sunday, to lift up not only our heads, but to lift up your hearts unto the Lord. But we're called to have a confidence, a trust in the promises spoken in Christ and written here in his holy scriptures. And for this reason, church, I always ask you to, to look up when you hear the comfortable words of Christ after we've confessed our sins. The words that come from the scripture. It's why I also tell you to lift up your eyes again as we receive the blessing from God. After receiving the Son of God through the sacrament of His body and blood. We don't have to cast our eyes down. We look up into our salvation. Because when our Lord is high and lifted up, where all may see. Our salvation draws near. When we look up and see that it is finished upon that cross, we see our King with the crown of thorns. But soon we shall see Him face to face, riding upon the horse with a sword in His hand and a sword from His mouth. And you may be thinking up to yourself that those words are just quoted from Revelation. And indeed, the words here from Luke's Gospel, that's quite fearful, this picture that Jesus is describing. Dare I even say a little bit scary. It is for those who see the coming of the Son of Man upon a cloud in all of His power and glory. And they do not belong to God. They have not found their identity with their Maker, but instead persist in rebellion to the one true King. But for the adopted sons of God, we shall see the return of the King and the implementation, the manifestations, the peeling away, the rolling back of the clouds. This is kingdom is made manifest here on earth. And made manifest into the world with power and might. So that if this verse gives you any fear, let us open our Bibles now to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Where we draw close now to the Old Testament, to the prophet Daniel in chapter 7 and verse 13. Because, Christian, when you hear, when you read, when you mark, when you inwardly digest the entirety of Scripture, both old and new, you'll quickly notice how the Scriptures interpret themselves and are full with cross-references dancing back and forth like a beautiful waltz, continuously drawing our eyes and our ears to the back and to the front. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, He refers to Himself in many ways, and many titles throughout the scriptures. But no title is more common in the Gospels than when he refers to himself as the Son of Man. And that title 
has a specific reference to a vision that the prophet Daniel saw, and he records in chapter 7. When he says in verse 13, I saw in the night visions, Behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. There's those clouds again, like what Jesus referenced in the gospel reading. And came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him, the Son of Man, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And of course we confess in the Nicene Creed, which we'll do right after this moment, after this sermon. We confess a kingdom that shall have no end. And if you want to know, if you want to understand more about what's going on with Daniel here, earlier in Daniel's visions and his dreams, he beheld God the Father as one whom he describes as the Ancient of Days. But now suddenly, in the presence of the Ancients of Days, someone who looks like a man, hence the title Son of Man, appears. And this Son of Man isn't walking. He's not bowing down before the Ancient of Days. No, he appears on a cloud of glory. A cloud of glory that throughout Scripture is reserved for one alone, for God Almighty. And the Son of Man, he appears on this cloud of heaven, just as God appeared throughout the Old Testament to his people upon a cloud. Just as Moses received God upon a cloud of glory, and he trembled at receiving the law. Just as the people of Israel followed the pillar of cloud by day. The Son of Man appears in God's cloud and in God's glory because the Son of Man is the Son of God, is the second person of the Blessed Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so therefore, when Jesus refers to himself in the Gospel of Luke here as the Son of Man, which again he does more than any other title in the Gospels, he's pointing us to Daniel 7.13 to tell us that he is the Son of Man. That he is more than man. He is God the Son. He is the one whom God the Father of the ancients of days has given an eternal dominion, his eternal glory, an eternal kingdom that is a call to all peoples, nations, and languages to serve him in this kingdom that will have no end. And it's the reason why, Christian, to fast forward a moment, that when we get to the end of Matthew, that when that great commission is given, it's not given to go to the people of Israel It's not given to go to the Jewish people, to the sons of Abraham. No, it's called to go into the ends of the earth, making disciples of all nations. Because there's a promise. There's a promise that we hear echoed in Revelation, that we will see an innumerable number of people from every tribe, from every nation, from every language, shall be part of the kingdom. And even those in rebellion shall join with those who are part of the Lord's kingdom and bow their knees to the Lord God, our maker, when he returns. But let's enter back for a moment, back to Luke chapter 21. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 27, notice that Jesus is using the similar language, mirroring and copying Daniel's vision, because Jesus is the same God who revealed the vision to Daniel, that we will, quote, see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So therefore, church, we, we will rejoice in that day Because, quote, when these things come to pass, as our Lord says, we shall look up. We shall look up. We shall lift up our heads because our redemption draweth nigh. Because we expect it. 
Because we've heard the scriptures. We're reading them. We're learning them. We're inwardly digesting them to know that this promise in Daniel is being fulfilled in part in Luke today and will be fulfilled when the kingdom comes upon the earth in all power, glory, and might. The Christian elsewhere in the same scriptures, our same Lord Jesus Christ, he chastises his listeners, his own people, the Jewish people, who are given the law, given the scriptures, because they know how to interpret the weather. Read at dawn, sailors warn. Read at night, sailors delight. But yet the people are ignorant at the signs of the times. When Jesus takes the people to task, it's because Jesus, God in human flesh, Emmanuel, is visiting his people and yet they do not see it. The people are worried more about Jesus keeping man-made additions to the law of Moses while ignoring that one greater than Moses has arrived. And indeed, when Jesus is speaking today's gospel to the people, he's in the very temple created for God, for him. And here we find God is speaking to them within his very own temple. And yet the people do not recognize him. Why? they do not know their scriptures. They do not know their scriptures. Throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout the Gospels, our Lord quotes, He reminds, He explains, and He fulfills the scriptures. But His very own people are ignorant of the word that the Lord gifted them to Moses, to the prophets. Do not be like the ignorant people of God in the Lord Jesus Christ's time. Listen, listen, those who have ears to hear the last part of today's gospel lesson from Luke. In Luke 21, 29, which is spoken for our benefit and is spoken for us today. He spake unto them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know your own self that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Church, our Lord admonishes us that when you see these things come pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And unless we know our scriptures, then how will you know these things, these signs which our Lord speaks? The very heavenly sky and this earth will pass away. But the promise we have is that the word of God shall never pass away. Therefore, Christian, Let us forget what is present today, but is passing away tomorrow. And let us take up what is eternal and what is coming. The word of God. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, 
subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.